We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on rotogrinders.com. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, a.k.a. hopefully on top of you on uh, the GPP leaderboards. Not last week, though. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Stuart Gibson of Advanced Sports Analytics. I'm assuming, Stuart, that uh, that I, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask, uh, if does correlation and leverage matter when, like, all the value just smashes and it doesn't and just like who cares like last week like if you were if you were owned and you were good value like it didn't matter if you if it didn't correlate or you were leveraged off of anything uh, i did well in cash games but obviously most of my gpp lineups got absolutely got absolutely dusted so uh is is this the type of week that we come off of where people get like the confirmation bias that, oh, all I have to do is like play the eight value one-offs and don't worry about correlation. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't done any research specifically like following a, you know, chalk, just massive chalk hit uh, week. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe it's a reasonable assumption. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely in a week where all the chalk hits and it's all just insane value, um, you know, playing like a correlated lineup or a leveraged lineup kind of has less value and it's really just like having the right combination of, you know, pieces in your lineup, uh, regardless of kind of how things, uh, correlate. So, um, 
Yeah, well, well, we can't predict those things. Like my my attitude when it comes to the two, uh, at least if you want to even want to say just a one NFL season. Like I view my DFS game from multiple years, but you have 17 weeks. Uh, maybe you'll get one of these weeks, but like it's not like we're seeing that 10 times a season. So since I can't predict the weeks that like all the chalk smashes all at once, I'm just going to play correlation and leverage. I'm going to play my game stacks, my secondary correlations and benefit from the times that certain shock busts, maybe certain shock doesn't, but it's not going to be the days where like all of them do well. And just, I look at the lineups that win that probably have to score a lot of points because a lot of people have those players and just say, there's basically say, there's no way I would have ever get into those lineups because essentially it's like, it's like cash plus type lineups and I just, I just, I just make money in cash games. So it's like, okay, I'm perfectly fine with that. Making money in cash or making money in single entry. Like if you play on FanDuel, we have the single entry series on Roto Grinders, right? You could go there. It's still going on. Even if you missed out on the first two weeks, it's for week six through 13. So you missed the first two, but it doesn't matter. There's single entry contests and three buy-ins, $5, $33, $100. But the top four combined scores count within each tier. So as long as you put four good weeks together, you could advance to be one of the top two finishers and uh, in each tier, and you advance to a six-man $20,000 final. That's the FanDuel Single Entry Series. Go over on FanDuel, enter them, $5, $3, $100. So for all sizes of bankroll, uh, you're not too late. Do it now. So, uh, Stuart, this slate... Uh, if you if you're taking a look at it, is it, it feels like like this this feels like the like the night and day, like yeah. this is the slate week eight. It, not all the other weeks are like week eight, and we take a look and, uh, especially with the bye weeks. I like the disgusting slates. Stuart, do you do you like disgustingness? Um, I mean, look, I, I try to play whatever's, whatever's, uh, whatever's on, but, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely forced you to make some uncomfortable decisions. Um, I think be willing to take some, uh, stances on games that, uh, you know, in a really great slate, you would just never even consider, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're definitely forced to entertain the idea of some disgusting, uh, games and stacks, um, which I think is fun. Cause, uh, I don't know you there are it's not like there are no appealing games uh there, there's maybe a couple and you have to imagine ownership is going to condense a decent bit uh around those games and i think it should open up some opportunities to um you know get access to some of these games that at first glance seem uh a little less appealing but uh you know i think there's enough to work with on this slate where uh yeah we can try to find something to uh to work with uh for the weekend okay so i think the biggest a strategic point on this slate from from a from an overall standpoint is the weather. Okay, uh, I've already listened to some shows. M- many people are not not talking about it. So like I have to gauge. Like I'm I'm the type of person that plays like the ownership game. I need to know what other people are going to do. That's why I don't make my lineups until Saturday. And we have we have multiple games with potential weather situations and when i say weather i mean wind not necessarily rain or snow uh that will either lead people away from the games or people will just disregard the weather 
and play them as if it's, you know, a sunny 72 degree day uh, from your, from your research, uh, how much, because we, because we see like the totals in some of these games have come down like four or five points since they've opened, but some of them are still 50, right? Like we have uh, the Packers uh, Vikings game open at 55 and a half. It's down to 51, but it's still one of the highest total games. So, so in your research, uh, do, do people overestimate the impact on wind on offensive production or do, do they, do they underestimate it? Um, I mean, we haven't really studied the impact relative to how like impact on performance relative to how it affects ownership. So uh, don't have a great sense of if there's over underestimation by the field. Uh, but yeah, I mean, our, our models would suggest that wind uh, is really the key weather element to keep an eye on uh, rain or humidity, uh, probably less so. Um, and low temps as well can uh, like really, really low temps. That doesn't seem to be the issue uh, with weather this week, mostly wind and precipitation related. But um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think uh, paying mostly attention to the wind is probably the, the way to focus. Um, I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, I do think like people react to weather um, and it will drive ownership up or down. And I think some of that uh, ownership suppression is warranted, but perhaps there is a, um, a bit of an overreaction. Um, so you, I don't you have to think that it affects like it has to be a negative impact at a certain level, because I know Kevin Roth. He does our, our weather report here on uh, Roto Grinders and he'll update it throughout the week. Like we'll get, we'll get a more updated forecast on Sunday morning. Cause that's what matters. What happened? I mean, no offense against Roth, but the weather guy is wrong half the time, three or four days out without knowing exactly what it's going to be like at, at the precise stadium. Cause it may be even the Metro area, but there's different weather in those sectors that, that definitely uh, go to rotogrinders.com, go to the weather report, uh, in the morning on Sunday, just to see if there's any dramatic changes where maybe the wind isn't as bad, or maybe it's it's a it's a hurricane. But you would have to think that it would it would negatively impact the passing offenses and positively impact the running attack. And I'm saying this not as like a binary thing that. We're, when we play DFS, a lot of times we're not trying to predict like what should happen, but we're trying to predict what the coaches think should happen. So if there's a lot of wind, that may not necessarily affect the passing game, but maybe the play calling is just they, they go extremely run heavy because the coach is afraid of it. So you can't just go by like, well, this is what they should be doing. Well, like go, go in the mind of some of these coaches and we could see with a lot of the play calling they, they already do in the NFL that they're not necessarily playing optimal, that I don't think uh, you should assume that the running backs, uh, they, oh, they're going to run the ball 35 times uh, because it's 25 mile an hour wins. Because if they're down by two touchdowns, like they're probably not running the ball anyway. I mean, I think that the, the game state still matters more. Oh, you the, the, the Jets go down. I know there's no weather there, but they're a 19 and a half point underdog. Like, 
I know it's Adam Gase. I'm, I'm, I'm making a very bad example because Adam Gase will be down for four touchdowns and still running the ball. But, but I think I just wanted to highlight the fact that that's why the correlation between like, does the running backs do better or does the passing attacks uh, do worse is, is very dependent on the game state and how the coach perceives the conditions. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm not necessarily sure that offenses going, you know, over committing to the run is like way, you know, better for running backs. Cause I mean, running backs are heavily dependent upon scoring touchdowns. So, you know, I think we've, you know, the, the analytics community has come to an agreement that like passing is more efficient of a, um, you know, point scoring, uh, you know, strategy. So like if teams are running the ball a bunch and not putting their offenses in positions to score touchdowns, uh, you know, even though the running backs getting more volume, they're getting kind of lower, lower quality uh, looks and touches, you know, that adversely affects uh, running backs as well. So, um, because you also get stacked boxes. Like once, if the other team notices that you're just going to run it down their throat, they'll they'll put eight nine guys in the box and just okay, great. You had the running back that got 28 carries for 70 yards. Like like it didn't with no touchdowns. So you're sitting there with seven points, going, well, I thought they would run more. It's like, well, they did run more, just that they were absurdly inefficient in doing so. Yeah, and I and I think paying it from the receiving side you know, paying attention to kind of the routes that receivers tend to run could be valuable. Like I'm looking at this Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas, Cleveland game, terrible weather, right? Like you would figure high winds tend to more, would more adversely affect a guy like Henry Ruggs than it would a guy like Darren Waller, you know, uh, like Waller is working close to the line of scrimmage, you know, not taking, not getting too many looks like way downfield uh, as where Ruggs is kind of the opposite. Uh, Again, I don't have any quantitative research on that, but I think intuitively uh, that's something maybe to consider, uh, you know, what, what type of routes do these players run? Uh, you know, wind, I think, has a, probably a disproportionate effect on, you know, downfield throws compared to, uh, you know, more close, uh, close to the line of scrimmage throws. So something. But, I- but on the opposite end, I'm always going to argue on the opposite end. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's descriptive. Like what you're saying is a descriptive element of what routes they have run. But let's say, for instance, that Gruden goes, well, we're not going to be able to throw far downfield in the in the wind. So I'm going to have rugs run short routes and give him yak. Like like maybe we could beat beat the team. Like they, they, they'll run 25 yards down. The card's not getting it to you there. So we're going to have a lot of, we're going to have screen passes to you that you may not have seen all season but you see in this game, because he has reacted to the weather conditions, maybe he doesn't react to the weather conditions. Maybe it's the same game plan. But I think you play this game of chicken by trying to look inside the mind and what should they do, what you think they should do. And a lot of times, if you, if you, would, if you were to feasibly backtest it, you'd be right half the time and wrong half the time. So like, mm-hmm. if, it, if it comes out to you just flipping a coin, like how much thought should I be spending hours upon hours thinking about these things I'd, r- I'd much rather just look at the game environments and go like rugs could get there maybe on three yak passes short passes and he takes it to the house and people are like and you get the ownership discount on it because people are like well i can't play i can't play rugs because i was car gonna throw in 30 mile an hour winds 30 yards down the field and then i get him at 
it's, he should be 12% owned and I get him at 4%. Yeah. And I think also good, just like rule of thumb is just like pay attention to, you know, Vegas, right? Like, you know, Vegas lines are moving relative to weather and I'd say closing lines are pretty darn efficient. So, um, you know, I think that's just like a good and, you know, yeah, but all these win games, but we have these wins, we have two of them that are still over a 50. So we're not talking about games that have been bet down to, to the, to the garbage level. Mm-hmm. So we're still looking at fifth. Like that's what we do on this show. We look at the, the games that are most likely highest probability to have the highest scoring teams stacking them game stacking secondary correlations. So yep. like starting off the, the, the highest total on the game on, on the, on the slate is, is a non weather is not, is not related to any whatsoever. It's the, the Niners versus the Seahawks 54 total uh, the spread Seahawks favored by three. Uh, the running back situation in this game is who knows, right? I think Carson's going to be out. Hamstring, uh, is nursing a hamstring, and uh, and and Homer may be out. And they may DJ Dallas may end up as the only running back on the roster, and then he becomes chalk. And then on the other side, uh, Wilson got injured, and then McKinnon apparently didn't pl- play much last week. But then Coleman may come back, and then he got uh, hasty there. Who knows? But all we all we have to know is that uh, Samuel is out. Uh, you know, Kittle, Ayuk, Bourne, and then obviously Lockett, Metcalf on the other side. I would assume that uh, these two teams uh, rate high in, in likelihood to score the most points. And I like the fact that once you remove some of these receiving pieces, and if it ends up being a mess at running back, where there's multiple of them active, that I think the passing like two plus one, three plus one in this game is, is extremely correlated. Yeah. I mean, with Seattle, we talk a lot about the correlation and that's, you know, that that's there. And that's, I think a really great uh, element or component of uh, that side of this game. Uh, My fear is that like, I I was quite high on Seattle last week when they had, I think we had him as like a 10, maybe above 10% chance of, scoring the most points on the slate. Uh, and we only have them at seven and a half percent probability this week. Uh, it's an expensive stack. It's, I would guess, going to be a pretty popular, uh, you know, game and team to stack. So, you know, while the ceiling of the Seattle side is there, the correlation is there, there are some kind of marks against them, uh, at least for me, relative to prior weeks where, they don't have, uh, you know, quite as, you know, high of a probability of scoring the most points on the slate. And I think ownership is just going to be real high on them. And, and it's kind of a lot to pay. Um, but, but it's not based on our current ownership projections on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the highest owned guys from this game are Lockett, Kittle, Bourne as a cheap receiver. But that cheap receiver ownership this week maybe flipped it. Who knows? That's very hard to predict because we got Allen Robinson maybe out. So Mooney's available. Denzel Mims is at that price. We got, we got some, we got Amendola even like we got a lot of these three K guys that I don't know where it's going to go. Uh, but uh, Lockett at 17% Kittle at 11%. They're obviously the most you know, correlated to G- Garoppolo or Wilson, but like IU 10%, 9.8 Metcalf 11, like, like they're owned, but I think the current ownership is based on 
I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring it up. I may be over, over bringing it up, but the ownership of the weather games. So mm-hmm. like I look like naturally last week, of course I X'd out the Seahawks Cardinals game. And that obviously didn't do well for me in GPP. Uh, I'm more likely to load up on this game. The more that I feel that other people are playing, playing the win games but if I see that so many people are getting off the win games, like obviously this 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 ownership is going to go up on Seattle, yeah. San Francisco. Garoppolo is a vomit quarterback, right? Well, I love the vomit stacks, but I don't necessarily like playing vomit stacks when they're chalk. So, so to me, like I think I think you're going by the notion that that this is a very appealing stack, and and I. If it weren't for the if if the other games didn't have wind, I'd agree with this ownership. I'd say I think I actually think it's a fit, it, it's it's not it's too low. I would rather go over on this, but my fear is that the ownership may come here if people start getting off the other games. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just like Lockett hasn't been owned at lower than fourteen percent in the millimaker all season, and that's with you know far more competitive i guess sunday slates than this sunday uh but you're missing context stewart that you know who the chalk's going to be on this slate keenan allen at 6200 and Devontae adams at 8800 how do you play tyler lockett like that that's that's i'm looking at it from like how do you i was saying that how does that happen yeah um i guess so i don't know what what did you guys have metcalf projected at ownership wise uh currently right now uh, about 11 all right. I mean, that would be, I guess you're expecting that people are really shying away from him following kind of a week primetime showing. And I guess you're just saying price, pricing as well, like on receivers around him. Right. Yeah. It's really just the pricing around the receivers is that Keenan Allen's going to suck up ownership at the 6K level. And if people are going to pay up, I mean, I know 8,800 is a lot more than these receiver prices, but they're going to pay for Devontae Adams. And like, how do you build a line? And then yet, then you have the, you really don't have any cheap running backs currently that you'd be playing. So you're most likely paying probably 6K per running back. Like these 7K level, like the kid, the kid, like obviously Kittle at a weak tight end position will get owned, but like it's from a lineup construction perspective, as long as the ownership is spread out on the games that have potential weather issues, really, you know, considerations, that I I I think I think this is about accurate, and I I really think their chance of success is is higher than this. And I mean, it's not it's a, it, typically this is the type of game that I would I would I would fade. I mean, like I it's a highly correlated game, so it's like either you play it or you don't play it. So like I'm currently on the side of playing it, but by Saturday I could be on the side of xing this game out. Just that these Seahawks games are always number one. They're they end up. Who knows what's happening in them? They could be three nothing at the first quarter and then forty two to twenty eight by the third. So uh, I'm more likely with the correlative elements in this game to see what the field does and then do the opposite of it. Okay. So let's say I mean that you're projecting high ownership for this game and you want to, you know, have a strategy for essentially not having much of this game. I mean, are you saying you want to exit out completely and just not have any pieces or are there uh, like, you know, historically Carson would be a compelling guy as 
you know, as far as kind of getting negative correlation. He has kind of neutral correlation with the the passing uh, game, but, you know, I still think would be good leverage from like an ownership standpoint if he was playing, but it does seem like he's unlikely to play. I mean, do you have much confidence in a guy like Homer or Dallas if they play as a decent leverage option? Uh, well, the more, the more, the more that these guys are out, the more they're going to gain ownership. If DJ Dallas is the only running back on the roster, like he's going to be, he's going to be the highest on running back on the slate. So like, I, I, I get it. I'm talking about if, if we get, if, if Coleman comes back and now you have Coleman McKinnon and hasty, like how do I play any of those guys with any confidence? I mean, you can, they're negatively correlated to the stack, but the concern is with the one-offs and the secondary correlations like Jimmy G is cheap enough. Like he's 5,400. So like, how do I, like, can I play Kittle and Lockett as, as a secondary or, or Ayuk and Metcalf or something like if, if they hit their ceilings, wouldn't it make it so much more likely that Jimmy G at 5,400 has, has busted his, you know, he's put up 30 points for 5,400. And I, I can't get, I can't get the production out of that price level. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like a tough game to get kind of pieces of without getting the whole game. I think San Francisco side, there's a there's you know worse kind of quarterback to receiver correlation there. So I'd feel decent about going like Kittle without Garoppolo or Ayuk or Bourne without Garoppolo. It's the Seattle side that like if Lockett or Metcalf has a big game, it probably means that Wilson's gonna have a big game. So that that's a side I think that's you know tough to uh you know get secondary pieces of but still beat you know a lineups who have those pieces plus wilson um yeah i think it's gonna be tough uh with that seattle side right and i and i think the garoppolo ownership if we just go by the quarterback because i don't necessarily consider quarterback ownership all that much mm-hmm. in, in large field gpps but i think garoppolo's ownership is going to depend a lot about uh Derek carr's ownership and we'll, we'll get to that game so yep. so the then the, the the next game on the, on the docket, Tennessee at Cincinnati. The Titans uh, are favored by now five and a half. It's a 53 and a half total. Uh, Titans have the second, the, they have the second highest implied team total at 29.5. Uh, they're there. I mean, even though uh, Corey Davis is back, the production on the Titans is fairly condensed. Uh, Cincinnati Obviously, we don't know if Mixon is going to be back, but we still have Bernard there. And and their passing game is pretty – it's Burrow and the three receivers pretty much. So with the condensed offenses here, what do you what do you see as far as – it is one of the high – I mean, it's the second highest total on the board, uh, the probability of, of these teams. I'm assuming Titans more than so than the Bengals, but the thing with the Titans is that I feel like – I feel like do I, I either just play Henry or I play Tannehill Brown and then run it back with someone. So and on a Bengals, like especially like Mixon's in, like like I could I could play I could play skinny. It seems like with Burrow, I could I could make more combinations with Burrow than I can with the the Titans. So what do you see here? Um yeah, I mean Cincinnati side is is kind of Actually, I mean, we have a very small sample on kind of Burrow and Higgins and, uh, you know, Boyd with those two guys. But, I mean, Cincinnati is so far out correlating uh, Seattle. Like, they're looking like kind of the the new uh, 
Seahawks in a way, I mean, their correlation is insane. Um, let's see, I have the average correlation between those three guys, uh, Burrow, Boyd, Higgins at 0.56. Um, I'm sorry, 0.49. Uh, there's really high correlation between uh, a quarterback, a pair of receivers, and then those two receivers against one another. Um, you know, their prices come up a bit, but I'm not really sure that it's come up quite enough. Uh, the Tennessee side, I think th those receivers that you mentioned, Brown and Davis are, uh, as well as Tannehill, like well-priced given their likelihood of scoring the most points. Um, you know, we, we have them as a 10% probability of scoring the most points uh, on the slate. And, you know, combined that, that three-player stack is, you know, 18.8K versus Seattle at a 7.5% chance of scoring the most uh, at 22.4. Uh, so, I mean, just in terms of kind of the price sensitivity of that stack, you know, I, I do like Tennessee in that regard. There's pretty good correlation um, between Tannehill, Brown, and Davis. Uh, average correlation of 0.279, pretty good for uh, a double stack. Uh, you know, I do have a little bit uh, concerns about kind of the ceiling of, of this uh, group. Uh, Davis in particular hasn't shown a huge ceiling. And, you know, I do think there are some ownership concerns like, you know, Brown, uh, I'm sorry, Tannehill, really all three of them like haven't garnered excessive uh, ownership, except for maybe that one Brown week uh, recently. But it also hasn't been super low um, as where Cincinnati, I mean, so far this year has gone, you know, largely underowned. Uh, you know, I do wonder if that arrow is trending up as they kind of continue to perform. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways you can go with this game from a, you know, on either side. Uh, the passing attacks, I think, are both pretty reasonably priced. Um, you know, the concern is Derrick Henry. Obviously, you know, he uh, has the potential to just really nuke a lot of pieces in this game uh i think as of now this game is on the roth uh report showing up as uh you know somewhat iffy uh it certainly hasn't affected the total so far but you know might might show an impact as we kind of near sunday and if uh those weather trends continue um but yeah i mean i think there's a lot to like with this game uh you know you could you could go with the passing side. I think they're a good correlation and kind of value properties uh, of the passing attacks. I think there's also a case to be made for Henry. Like he's, you know, just excellent leverage against uh, some of these passing pieces. Uh, well, really, know. it's the opposite way around, Stewart. Henry is actually coming in as one of the highest owned running backs projected. Okay. And the receivers aren't not low owned, but... Really, I think it's the, the opposite way as far as getting leverage. I think more people will be playing Henry than will be playing A.J. Brown because A.J. Brown is 6,900 on DraftKings. So the pricing matters because remember, we got Keenan Allen, Chalk, 6,200. Yeah. Adams, 8,800. He'll be owned. We got the the, the Seattle receivers at 7,100. 7, you know, Glock at 7,100. So like where does A.J. Brown fit into this? And I think people see the Titans still as a team that, is slow and if they could give it to Henry 27 times, they will. And maybe they do on Sunday, but I think it's much more likely. Like I can you can you see playing like Henry with any of his teammates together? Unless you get that perfect, like when he when he broke the slate before, that 
you know, he got there on like two big plays and the Titans were down three touchdowns that game. So like, I, I kind of have to throw that out. Yeah. I think you could go, uh, you know, Henry with some of the Cincinnati uh, pieces. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you say Henry's going to be, I, I, I'm saying Henry is good leverage against the way I'm thinking about it. Cause I have like three stars next to Cincinnati and two next to Tennessee. So, uh, but maybe that's not necessarily how the field is uh, likely to see it. If uh, you know, if you think that Henry's going to be kind of the, the most popular piece in this game, then uh, man, I mean, I, I do really like this game uh, from a receiving uh, you know, the receiving pieces are really interesting and you could go Burrow, you could go Cincinnati or Tennessee side. I mean, I think um, both seem like good, you know, receiving uh, you know, trios to, to target. Um yeah, I, I'm interested uh, in this game and probably will have, uh, you know, a, a good share of lineups that include receiving and quarterback pieces from this game and just kind of try to mix it, uh, mix it around and see if I can get kind of the right combo uh, on this game. Right. And I think that uh, the the longer and longer that we don't know about Mixon, the more and more I want to play if he happens to play. Gotcha. I'm working on the assumption he's not going to play. I mean, he hasn't practiced, I think, all week. Um, not well, I'm sure. just saying in case he does. I don't. We don't know. I mean, I'm sure. I, I'm I'm planning right now on on Thursday that Bernard's going to be in, and he's 5800, and maybe I play him. But like I said, I don't build my lineups until Saturday. I want to see Friday practice report, Saturday practice report. I want to think about ownership. Right? You're thinking more about the correlations now, which is which is great to do. That's what that's what this show is all about. But I'm sitting here with the, with initial ownership projections going, you know, like, look at last week. They they flipped on its head with the news that came out on Thursday and Friday after our show that, like, we could just give you the options. And now you have to decide, like, how that, that ownership change affects your strategy. So yeah. let, now we – okay, now the next two on the docket. We're, we're, get, we're getting to the win games. Okay, we got uh, the Cleveland Browns. The Las Vegas Raiders in Cleveland. That game was opened at 55 and a half. It's now down to 51 and a half. The Browns are favored by two and a half with a 27 implied team total. Uh, it looks like based on uh, what I could see in projections, if I could bring this up, that Kareem Hunt stands to figure to be one of, if not the highest owned players on the slate as a, as a whole uh, at 6,900 on DraftKings at running back. Uh, Jacobs expects to get a decent amount of ownership on the other side at 24% owned Waller stands to be the highest owned tight end at 3,600. Uh, Harrison Bryan put up a two touchdown game uh, last week uh, with Hooper out again. He stands to figure to get ownership uh, 12% at 3,200 at tight end. And obviously people may go to Landry at 5,600 with OBJ out or take their shot on a Rashad Higgins uh, at 4,200, and he's getting like 9% ownership. Uh, I'm looking at these, these, these numbers as if, like, do you realize that, that you know, this game could go significantly under if the, if the weather, I mean, because we have Derek Carr possibly, possibly could end up being the highest owned quarterback because he's cheap. Uh, based on your, your probabilities that you have in front of you about this game, uh, which doesn't necessarily take into account the the weather per se. Uh, am am I am I nuts to say that if the ownership was at if if the ownership stays at this these levels, that there are more paths for this to fail than is worth owning? 
Yeah, I I'm having kind of mixed feelings about this game because uh, you know Cleveland does project as a decent probability of you know, scoring the most points on the slate. They're uh, fifth at six point six percent, and like both both sides are I think priced pretty well. Um, Cleveland doesn't have great correlation on their side. Uh, Las Vegas slightly better, but I think you're right. I mean the there are paths to failure this, for this game, and both teams just have like really, really limited ceilings. You know, like it just seems unlikely that you know a Cleveland stack or a you know Car Las Vegas stack is going to just totally you know burn you. I mean, the, these aside from Waller, uh, like none of these guys have really shown a you know, reasonably high ceiling uh, in the last, you know, year and a half or so. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the pricing seems decent. Um, historically, these teams haven't been super owned, but I do think that is uh, probably likely to change this week, just given, uh, like you said, uh, the context at tight end. Uh, there's a lot of vacated targets in Cleveland that I think will bump up ownership on guys like Landry and Hunt and, uh, you know, Bryant. Um, you know, at first glance, I kind of was interested uh, in, in this game, but uh, I am concerned by just the low ceiling uh, for guys on the Cleveland side, which is, you know, projecting as like a decent total. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's just not much of a ceiling on this side. I feel like I would rather, uh, you know, take a shot on like Tennessee or, uh, you know, Cincinnati or, you know, even Seattle, it's it's expensive, but they just have an insane ceiling, and there's really not much of that uh, on either side of this game, so. Right, I think I think Hunt and Jacobs rate out well median-wise. Like, I think I think a lot of guys in this game rate out well median-wise. Waller, uh, even Landry at 5,600. Yeah, can you get 16 points out of him? Okay. Like, I, I see that in this game. I see, and obviously for the Raiders, you know, guys like Ruggs and Aguilar, and and even Witten, I mean, he could steal a touchdown from someone. And then we also don't know what the, the Browns are necessarily going to do with the secondary wide receivers. I mean, it could be Higgins, it could be Peoples Jones. Uh, we'll get to get uh, Kaderil Hodge is coming off the IR. Who knows what his role is going to be as a third receiver? That I think the the ambiguity is much higher in this game than the field is going to realize. Mm-hmm. And even if this game does go off, I mean, in comparative to the slate, remember this slate is, is much different than the past ones where we have like high scoring teams and seven games over 50. Like, I think people are attracted to this game because compared to Seattle, this game is cheaper, right? Compared to the Packers, the game, this game is cheaper. So there are more ways to go three plus one, you know, game stacky type of things in this game. And it just happens to be the best of the bunch when it comes to a high total. But to me, if 51, if this is going to sit at 51 and a half and maybe even get even lower, like it's not that there, there's, there are a couple games that you could, you know, that may only be a three or four point difference. That is it, that will be like half is owned that don't go with the, you know, don't go with these pieces. But like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to say my disclaimer that if by Saturday people are 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 viewing it the same way that I am, and they start jumping off this game, and I see like Derek Carr and 
Waller and rugs and that comes in way too low, then of course, and I'm going to jump, jump all, it's like the stock market. It's like, I'll do whatever way the market's going. That isn't efficient. I'm going to just jump on, but, but I do, I, but I do agree that Stuart with the great point that I think these all make good meeting plays. If you play these guys in your cash lineup, I think that, I think that's, that's, if you're playing smaller single entry, maybe, and you want to use some one-offs, I think the value is, is good. Just ceiling for large field GPP. I, I think is suspect. Yeah, I think there's maybe a little more ceiling on the Las Vegas side. Like, you know, Waller can approach 30 points. Uh, Ruggs hasn't shown a huge ceiling yet, but, you know, the skill profile would suggest that, you know, he could be capable of a big game. But it's just like, all right, like, let's just say Landry is, you know, the the wide receiver one and kind of carries that role. Like, what is his action? You know, I feel like I can't really see him scoring more than like, you know, I don't know, 23 points or something like that, which, you know, don't get me wrong. Like 23 is, is good, but um, you know, as far as like just a huge ceiling performance, I mean, I, I, I'm just a little concerned, especially on the Cleveland side about some of the ceiling of, of these players. And um, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe you could take kind of like a secondary correlation of like hunt versus Waller hunt versus rugs, but um, doesn't really feel like a game I'm too interested in loading, loading up on. Well, here's a game. If we talk about ceilings, this game is, is probably has the players that have the highest ceilings, most condensed offenses, especially, you know, with the injuries or whatever. Now we got the Vikings at the Packers 51 total. It opened at 55 and a half. Uh, Green Bay is favored by seven. Uh, Green Bay has a uh, 29 implied total Vikings with a 22. And obviously on these teams, like if, if Dalvin cooks back, we're going to have to know what the status of Aaron Jones is. Uh, Jamal Williams was priced up now to 6,100. Uh, Aaron, you got obviously Devontae Adams. He was priced up to 8,800. Obviously, MVS is sitting there doing wince wince or whatever he does. <laughs> uh, Lazard is in practice. Maybe he's back. Maybe he has, maybe he's active and doesn't play that much, but that still takes away a little bit. Then, obviously, on the, on the Viking side, it's essentially, it's essentially Cook. Thielen, Jefferson, and then if and then Herb Smith, if you want to punt at tight end or something, he's been getting some targets per game. Probably not the greatest of ceilings, but if you, if you need if you need a good shot at eight points at tight end, I don't think that's that bad. But this is one of those games. Roth has it as red currently as you know downfield passing games, high wind, uh, and we're seeing ownership towards it because if it wasn't if if this was the opposite. And this was in Minnesota in the dome. Like this, this would be skinny Dak central, right? I would, I would be out at the, at the, at the strip club with this, with my skinny stacks doing <laughs> dances because it makes perfect sense with the Rogers, Adams, Jefferson, or cousins, Thielen, Adams, Williams, like that. There's only so many pieces in this game, but, uh, but it's, it's getting, it's getting ownership. So like how do how does how did this game rate? I'm assuming Green Bay has to be high in in your model to score the most points, but I'm concerned on how they do that. Yeah, I mean they're they're second highest behind Kansas City. Um, they're actually in a, a you know I rounded to the I guess third decimal place. They're in kind of a tie with Tennessee. Um, man, I'd love to see Aaron Jones play and uh, play some Aaron Jones. Like I think uh, you know the consensus probably i mean even though adam's prices come up like i could see adam still you know adam's rogers being a pretty popular stack and 
I mean, Jones just never seems to garner the ownership that, you know, his ceiling would, uh, you know, seem to warrant. And uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see if he does. It's hard to say like, that's kind of the, the, you know, flag or the, you know, hill I want to, you know, die on with Jones, not even confirmed in, but if you were in, I mean, I think that would just be a great leverage spot. Um, well, we'll know. So, I mean, I think I, I agree with you. I think the longer we don't know, the more that I will roster Aaron Jones, if the news comes out, like if the news comes out, like with a Schefter tweet on, 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 on Saturday night, like I'm, I'm, I'm on board uh, because the field doesn't react quick enough. Like if we get the news today on Thursday, that Aaron Jones is going to be active. Like we don't, we may not know, Hey, it could be one of those things where he's active and only plays 20% of the snaps. Like, I mean, we have to fall into that fact. But the earlier it happens, the more that people get to prepare for that. That, but I'm I'm absolutely with you. I think uh, if Aaron Jones is in, I think that takes away some value from Devontae Adams, and it is currently elevated price at 8,800. Like, uh, like yeah, I think I, I could I could easily find leverage there. Yeah, and I mean, we just saw Jamal Williams have such a great game, and kind of the concern with Jones, like I think the reason his ownership is typically low is because you know people are always like, "What about Jamal Williams? What about Jamal Williams?" And um, I don't know, just setting up for I think a, a good spot, and if weather is a factor, um, and Jones plays, like I just think it could be a great spot for Jones and, and good leverage. Um, I mean, darn, you nailed uh, last time Minnesota, like the the Jefferson uh, play as leverage, I think kind of the perceived gap between Thielen and Jefferson is shrinking. And, you know, perhaps, I don't know what people are perceiving, but certainly in the last few weeks, it's, uh, you know, Jefferson has been the guy. Um, we don't have Minnesota projecting as a super high likelihood to put up a top score on the slate. And they are, as a, as kind of a unit, uh, Cousins, Thielen, Jefferson, priced pretty expensively relative to their likelihood of scoring the most points. Uh, but I think in reality, I mean, you would never really consider playing Jefferson and Thielen uh, in the same lineup. Um, but nonetheless, it does feel like a, a kind of low total uh, relative to the price tag to get too excited about, you know, skinny stacking on the Minnesota side. Um, I don't know. To me, uh, it, Man, I really, I really hope Jones plays uh, this week because that would be the way I would want to play this. Uh, if not, um, why not play just play Jamal Williams at sixty one hundred then? Yeah, I guess you could do that. Um, historically, he's had you know pretty good correlation with uh, with Rogers, um, but you know I guess as a starting running back, he's probably in a bit of a different role. And uh, I don't know. You think uh, like you know, typically QB RB wide receiver isn't like a, you know, stack people look towards, but it definitely got there last week, um, you know, between Bernard and Williams, you know, with, with their quarterbacks and kind of receivers hitting granted at super low prices, you think people will go back to Rogers, Williams, Adams. Um, it's not really something I would like to do. Um, so, so, you know, maybe, maybe going just Williams, uh, you know, well, I, th I think I think last week was more likely because Jamal Williams was four thousand. Yeah, right. Like, like that. I mean, that. Like, how? But if he could put up twenty points, like you're you're beautiful at four thousand. Yeah. You put up twenty points at sixty one hundred. You know, you're not beautiful anymore. Yeah, not right. That. Your skinny stacks aren't at the strip club anymore. 
Um, I mean, any interest in, I know we were, we were intrigued by MVS last week. Um, but he just, like you said, I mean, it's just running one sprints out there and, uh, you know, not getting any looks, uh, not converting the looks he's getting. Tanyan has been pretty useless since Adams returned. Like there's just not that much on the green Bay side. Um, yeah, I'm more, li- I'm more likely if people are going towards this game, like I'm just, I'll, it's it's a highly core. This is one of those highly correlated games that if this game goes off, it's like, it's, there's only a few people that could, it could happen with. So like, why am I playing it as one-offs if I'm going to do it? So like, I mean, it may sound, it may sound weird to me. I did. I mean, I did it last week and of course the game that, that went off uh, that it's quite possible. I X out Devontae Adams from my entire play. Like I just like, what's the, what's the point? Like what, it, if, if he puts up a median score, what do I get for 8,800? Right. Let's say, let's say he puts up a 27, but at 8,800, is that going to be necessary? Can I find those points elsewhere? And then if he puts up anything more than that, like I'm going to need, I'm, I'm going to need other people in this game. I'm going to need the game stack. Right. So, so that's why, like, I know it sounds weird, but I think it makes sense that if you're not stacking this game, that you're, you're not playing Adams in your lineup. Yeah. We haven't really talked about Dalvin Cook. I mean, I think he could also be a decent leverage spot. Um, but you have to think that the that the whole game script goes the other way. Like for, for me, I find it hard to play Cook as a one-off as the, with the Packers being a seven-point favorite. Yeah, that, okay, sure. Um, right, I mean, I, I it could happen. Like I, I'm not saying that may, maybe the Vikings come in and route the Packers. It could happen. But I think that's the game script that you need for the Cook one-off because if you don't get that, you're going to need Cook and Adams. You're going to need Cook. You're going to need a lot more of this game. If Cook goes off for 24, 142, and three touchdowns, like Devontae Adams is probably sitting there with 16 receptions, 180 yards, and a touchdown. And and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to want the Rodgers Adams. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, okay. Let's go to the, the final game that has a 50 point total. And uh, I, don't, I don't know, Stuart. Uh, I don't know if we can agree on this. It's my favorite game on the slate. That's I, I don't like the silence. The silence means that I'm I'm going I'm going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I don't I I legitimately don't know what game it is. Uh, oh, okay, so good, good. So I'll just surprise you. Okay, it's car it's open at 51. It's now a 50 total. I, I Indianapolis might... Colts at the Detroit Lions. Uh the Colts are 26.25 implied total. Lions at 23.75 implied total. It's a two and a half point spread. Uh, if we take a look at this game, if I bring it up on lineup HQ, uh, the uh, the only owned piece in this game currently to our, our ownership projections is Jonathan Taylor at 6,600. Everything else is under 10%. We have Galladay at 7.9%. These are obviously just initial projections. Marvin Jones at 5%. We got the... T.Y. Hilton, Marcus Johnson, Zach Pascal, we got Hawkinson, all these guys in single-digit owned. Uh, I don't want to sound like Cardi, but it's the only dome game on the slate. Okay? And we have, like, four games that have weather problems. Uh, I know these teams that if they had their choice, they would run the ball all the time. But Rivers, no one likes to play him. They think he's 
done. He put up 370 yards the other game. Uh, these these receivers are just so cheap. I mean, you have to get the right ones. But if you get the less likely game script that the Colts get up by two touchdowns and the Lions have to, Stafford actually has to pass 40 times or vice versa, or it's just, you know, a couple of broken plays open up this game. It's on the fast track. It's cheap. I'm assuming you're going to tell me that based on your, uh, your, your top stack probabilities that, that this game is not high, but it can't be that low. No, Indianapolis is, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of in the mix. They, um, I mean, we have them at, you know, 5.3% chance of scoring the most points, you know, just below Cleveland, uh, just above San Francisco, uh, above other teams like, you know, LA, Baltimore, Las Vegas, Cincinnati. So um, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you know, I, I'm also kind of interested more in the Indianapolis side than Detroit. I mean, that Indianapolis side is just super cheap. Uh, you know, if Taylor's going to be popular, I think there's pretty good leverage to be had uh, by getting, you know, some of those Indiana, Indianapolis uh, pass throwers and pass catchers. Um, you know, I have, have concerns about trying to stack up the Detroit side. They're expensive uh, relatively, you know, compared to kind of the likelihood that they score the most points. Um, I guess if you're saying ownership projection is low, um, that, you know, does ease one of my concerns with the Detroit side and that, you know, Stafford and Galladay are fairly popular, um, you know, at least for kind of the probability we have of scoring the most points, but, you know, perhaps that will come down. Um, as we've discussed before, concerns about, you know, Hawkinson ceiling, that to me would be the guy, you know, if I were going to try to stack uh, Detroit side, you know, Stafford, Galladay, Hawkinson's kind of the natural uh, play for correlation purposes. Um, yeah, I mean, Indianapolis, kind of similar to Cleveland, there are some concerns about the ceiling uh, of these players, but, you know, for the price point, uh, it, kind of that small ceiling is stomachable, you know, more more manageable, I think. And, uh, you know, it's also like we've discussed, you know, I'm not sure that we'd consider playing this game uh, last week when, you know, there's, you know, half a dozen games uh, approaching 55 totals, but like, there's not that this week. And, uh, you know, some of these, uh, you know, games that we might not normally consider on, on a, you know, previous week uh, could be in play. Um, so what, I mean, God, I can't, I really don't like the idea of, rostering Hilton I mean would you go like Pascal and Marcus Johnson uh what's wrong with Hilton (laughs) why what's wrong what's wrong with him he got 10 targets two games ago he got nine in the first game we're getting five he's it's not like we're not thinking of T.Y. Hilton when he's 6,000 like he used to be he's he's cheap now he's 4,900 he's still getting red zone targets Mm -hmm. so like like so why (laughs) Why do I want to play Zach Pascal over him for, I mean, like just play T.Y. Hilton. Like, uh, and then same thing on the other side is like, who says you have to play uh, like a double stack with Hawkinson. You can play Danny Amendola at 3,300 because he, because we're going to see some of these three K receivers being owned and who knows he's currently projected as 2.9% owned. And if he's correlated with the stack, like I'd much rather play Danny Amendola correlated with this lineup then play a skinny stack with Galladay and then play what Denzel Mims is a one-off. What would be the point of that? Well, I'll just take the guy that's 
that's in that price range that correlates with my quarterback more than that or the game if I'm playing the river side of it. Because you could even three plus two this if you want with Trey Burton sitting there at tight end. We didn't talk about him. He's 3,500. So you get to fill, uh, you know, tight end tends to be a wasteland. Maybe 10 points out of Trey Burton is good enough for you in the tight end slot, especially when maybe people going to play Harrison Bryant. Like, wh- why can't I play Rivers, Burton, Hilton, and Johnson at 3,000? And then, and then run it back with Galladay and Marvin Jones. Well, I, I know the reason why I can't do it because it's a, it's a really horrible idea. But I mean, it's yeah. sound, it's sound. It, hey, it sounds like vomit. That, that's, the, uh, that's why I look at this game. This is the vomit stack game. And, and yeah. this year, this year with the high totals, it's kind of hard. I, I've been trying every week to be like, where can I find a vomit stack? And it's like, there's no point in playing a vomit stack. All the totals are high. Just play skinny yeah. stacks so you can jam in wide receivers. We don't have to jam in wide receivers on the slate. So bring on the vomit stacks. Yeah, no, this could be a good spot. Um, do have concerns. I mean, I, I typically don't like, you know, I feel like Jones, Galladay, Godwin, Evans, Jefferson, Thielen are kind of becoming part of this group of like wide receivers one and two that I try to avoid playing together. Uh, the correlation suggests that there's not, you know, high likelihood of, both Galladay and Jones going off together. Um, but uh, I but see. you never know. Well, Jones is also 4,200 now. He used to be 5,500. So maybe that kind of mitigates the fact a little. I'm trying to find any reason to waste more money playing Marvin Jones Jr. He wasn't terrible last week. He had his, what, his best game of the season, I think. Yeah, and 13 uh, points ain't going to win me anything. Get no. out of here. <laughs> best game. Uh, well, yeah, well, it's, it's looking up. Done. <laughs> Uh, okay, so those are all the 50 total games. So now we got to throw everyone in the, the rest of the bucket of games that if you wanted to bring up, obviously we need to bring up uh, the, the Chiefs because it's, it's a 49 total game, but like nearly all the points are for the Chiefs. The, I've, I have, I've never seen a, a spread in the NFL that a team is a 19 and a half point favorite. Uh, they have the highest chance uh, in, in your model of, scoring the most points well obviously uh like but how how do you how do you play this game like how how do you do this where they hit a ceiling like do you you just play with no jets do you play it with jets do you play the running because now we have uh levy and bell obviously i have to mention revenge game right you have to on on any of these dfs shows you have to mention the revenge games it's required by contract i believe that uh, like if they're going to split carry CEH and Bell as much as they did last week, and they're going to be out most likely to a two three touchdown lead. Like what 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 do I play? Do I just play just naked like a, a no bring back Mahomes Kelsey or Mahomes Hill or something and just hope that like yeah I guess they go they Mahomes throws for four touchdowns and three hundred and fifty yards in like three quarters. Yeah, um, I don't know who we, we had a who were the Jets playing recently where they were just completely off uh, off it the board. The Bills, Bills, yeah. I mean, I do think. Yeah, but the Bills, the, the Bills are overrated. The Bills, I mean, I could find. I mean, they, I mean they, the, the Bills kicked a whole bunch of field goals and beat the Jets. But it to me, if the Jets keep this game competitive, it's a low-scoring game. 
So like, how, how does this game, like if I'm going to run it back with Jets, oh yes, it's a shootout. Kansas City 38, Jets 27. Like, do I see the Jets scoring 27 points ever? Not really. And Kansas City, I think, is a tough, tough defense uh, for them to do it against. I, I was more just trying to kind of compare, like, relative – I don't know, like, do – comparing, like, how likely Kansas City versus Buffalo is to, like, continue to throw while up uh, big. I mean – I don't know. Mahomes is, it's just like Kansas city side is fairly expensive such that like, you know, I think they could kind of rush out to a big, big lead and kind of get to value, uh, you know, by halftime, but have a hard time at their price point feeling that they have a good chance of just like massively exceeding value. Um, yeah. I, I take a look at Mahomes at 8,100 on DraftKings, And I think I'm more likely if I'm not willing to, play a jet as a run back. If I'm, if I roster Patrick Mahomes, I have to think that the jets stay in it enough. Yeah. So I would have to run it back with the Jets. So I could, I could totally see if I take a look at ownership on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelty, Kelsey are coming in currently around 10% owned 6,700, 6,600, 6,600, obviously for Kelsey at a weak tight end position. So if Kelsey gets 20 points, he could be T1 amongst every, he could have the highest score at tight end. So I, there's value to that. Like what's wrong with just playing Hill or Kelsey as a one-off and just not even worrying about having a, any jet in your lineup. Yeah. I think, I think that sounds like a good way to go for it. Uh, And like, also, I mean, why can't we go with, you know, one of the Kansas city running backs? I think they're, what, what what are you guys projecting for them ownership wise? I can't imagine they'll be super popular as there's kind of a perceived, uh, you know, committee there, but uh, I mean, now we have Lev, we have Lev Bell actually currently projected at 8% at 4,600 CEH 6,500 at 3%. But obviously now CEH, if they're going to split work, CEH is overpriced. Yeah. Like, do I want to play Levy on Bell at 4,600 and 8% owned? Do I, I mean, to do it. There, dude, there are other running backs that are maybe not that cheap, but close to cheap, that are lower projected owned, that are starter running backs that I could play in in low total games, sure, but who cares? Yeah. Um, I was shocked when I saw this also. 8%, it's, it probably is going to go down. No, how many, how many people are this? Am I missing something? Did, did I miss some analysis here that Levy and Bell at 4,600, like... You play that second running back on the Chiefs on an 11 game slate at 4,600. Do we play Jamal Williams at 4,000 when Aaron Jones is starting? No. So, like, what's the difference? To me? Like, that's how I look at it. It's like, what's the difference? If I last week, if two weeks ago when Aaron Jones was playing, and I said, you know, it was a good play, Jamal Williams. And they go, why? He's like, he's, yeah, because he gets 40% of the work. It's like, well, who cares? It's a, it's a DFS slate. What ceiling is there in that? And now we're doing the same. Now that's essentially what this is with CH and Bell, right? Am I, am I, am I correct? Maybe I'm missing something. Oh, that seems right to me. I mean, but like we do play Aaron Jones uh, with Jamal Williams lurking at, you know, six two, six eight, low seven. Uh, you know, so why why would that price be? Well, I don't play him as often as you do. That's the reason why I don't play him as often. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, it's a matter of chalk versus not chalk. It's, it's ownership. Like I'll play Aaron Jones. He had a big game earlier this year that he was under owned and I was twice the field of him. Like, 
than then. But when, when people are touting Aaron Jones because of a good matchup and he ends up, you know, 18, 20% on, that's when I'm, I'm gone. You know, that's the same thing for Derrick Henry, right? I mean, it's the same type of concept of, you know, very wide range of outcomes, very barbell type of like, they could do really great or really bad. So you want to take them when they're low owned and not when they're high owned. But do you see any other games on, on the schedule? Because now we're getting down past that game, the 46s, 44s, 40, 41s even. Uh, because we have Keenan Allen, who's going to be chalky in uh, the, the Chargers game. Uh, we're going to see Kamara ownership probably in the Saints game. Uh, but from a game stack perspective, I mean, the, the, the lower total games, does, does any of them stand out as having a decent enough shot in comparison? Yeah, not really. I mean, um, you know, those guys you mentioned are like good individual plays, but, you know, a pretty low likelihood. Um, I don't know. What I'm curious, like, I, you know, I don't really – watch a ton of college football like what what do you make of Tua? i mean los angeles has what, what do you, a, you're asking me about football <laughs> okay well you, you just said you uh, i don't watch a lot of college football so i'm gonna watch i'm gonna ask the guy that <laughs> barely watches football in general to, i don't even know what Tua looks like <laughs> <laughs> he's like i i only had to learn this week that he runs the ball apparently he's a rushing type of quarterback. And that's why people on shows are saying, saying how much is he going to rush the ball? But to me, I love Gaskin. So like that, that's a question that I want answered because we don't know how this Dolphins offense is going to necessarily run because we haven't seen it. Yeah. No, I'm not interested in Miami side at all. I'm just kind of curious. I do think Los Angeles uh, is interesting. They're, they're, they're priced. uh, I think they're pretty expensive. I think relative to, you know, top point probability in my opinion, but um, I can see making a secondary correlation. Like I'm looking into like a correlation of like Gaskin and cup. Yeah. Yeah. Like to do that type of thing. Maybe I stay away. I mean, I don't know who knows with Sean McVay with the running backs. Yeah. 5,900 for Daryl Henderson. I mean, anything could happen there, I guess. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, see, like I'd rather play Clyde Edwards Hilaire at 62 than, you know, try to, you know, play pick them with uh, Los Angeles running backs. Um, you, you know, you, you know, you know what I want had to happen. This is another game. Yeah, yeah. This, this I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die on this hill. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on playing this guy until he wins me money. Well, if uh, if uh, Allen Robinson gets ruled out, okay, because he's in concussion protocol, what that's gonna do is condense ownership and maybe people will play Mooney or Anthony Miller. And, you know, maybe they, it's obviously this is a win game also because they're playing outside in Chicago. This isn't in the, the dome in New Orleans. Uh, Kamara is going to be owned and Kamara may be more owned with Thomas out because now they figure, well, Breeze can't, Breeze is a noodle arm as it is. And now in the wind, he's, they can't throw the ball more than three yards. And who's there three yards from him? Kamara. So that's a running back spot. Mooney and Miller and those guys are wide receiver spots. So who's the best leverage play? At 5,900, just with no Allen Robinson, maybe David Montgomery gets like eight, nine targets out of the backfield. And I'll just yeah. do this to myself. This is, I'll put David Montgomery and Marvin Jones in the same lineup and then just watch my money burn like it normally does. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that's, I mean, a, a true like one-off type play. Um, but I mean, yeah, if, if Robinson- 4% owned. He says he has way more than a 4% likelihood at 5,900 at getting 25 points. 
Yeah. Um, okay, you questioned that. You, uh, twenty points. Can I? Well, I'll, I'll make the bidding go down lower. I'm, I'm bidding lower. <laughs> I, I could be more into it for like you know if Montgomery was just cheaper. I mean that, that game just has an insanely low total. Um, or you know Chicago is like the only team they have a better chance of, be, you know winning scoring the most points on the slate then is uh new york jets i mean they're like less than one percent chance and but that, i mean you know again we're you're talking about playing a single guy so i know it's it's not like you need to you know have a slate breaking type uh you know team total to for like one one player to work and you, know, you would expect uh you know target uh share to be pretty condensed if robinson's out i mean that's a pretty huge right, it's a leverage play like i'm if, if I would have told you that I'm looking down and like looking at the, the Patriots bills game that has the lowest total on the board at 41 and a half and saying, you know, well, I think it's fine. Uh, why don't I play uh, James white and Stefan Diggs or something at their prices. And yeah, I'd say that you're that, that I, I'd be, I'd be nuts to do that because they don't, but they don't correlate. They don't negatively correlate with anyone that has any ownership. Like no one in that game is going to be owned. So like, I'm not, what am I gaining other than like, well, they're lower owned and that's about it. Just that when I see Kamara being owned and potentially cheap bears receivers, possibly, I don't know, maybe, maybe Allen Robinson's out and no one cares. And they go, I can't play any bears anyway. Okay. That, that's fine. So that's really what I'm looking for. Like in any of these games, I looked at the, the Steelers Ravens game. Like that's an interesting game that two teams that have perceived good defenses. I mean, cause they are good defenses, but are people going to be willing to, uh, you know, because normally we don't see the Ravens because this total came down three points. The Ravens at a, like a 24 and a half implied. The Steelers at 21.25 implied. And their prices aren't like ridiculous or anything, but also their totals aren't all that ridiculous. Uh, I see this game being under-owned, but like you said, it, in, in, for, with the Las Vegas Browns game, do you see a ceiling here? Yeah, not 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 really. I mean, I, I the Ravens are a team that I do like to try to stack up a decent bit for correlation reasons. But um, yeah, the prices come down a bit, but not you know a ton. And uh, yeah, I mean they're just like I like I like playing you know Brown, Andrews, Jackson, or some you know two or three kind of combination of that when they're you know, a 10% or, you know, even like 8% chance of scoring the most points on the slate. We have them at 3.8%, uh, Pittsburgh down at 1.3, you know, it's just like under different conditions, you know, this, this game could be, or, you know, that Baltimore side could be interesting, but the conditions we have this week are, you know, making it not too, not too compelling of a side to, to really load up on. So, um, yeah, I got nothing else. I mean, I think we touched on, you know, the, the interesting games, you know, obviously Seattle, San Francisco up top, uh, you know, Tennessee, Cincinnati, I think intriguing and some of these, you know, potentially weather uh, impacted games that, you know, have some pieces there, have some intrigue, uh, you know, kind of just have to wait on, on weather. Um, I don't know. You got anything else or. No, well, I wanted to mention because uh, uh, we, 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 we've been chatting on the side, uh, trying to solve some problems that, that, that you guys at, advanced sports analytics have, have a correlation tool for, for player to player. And uh, if people want to go there and subscribe and check it out and explain exactly what that, what that does. Yeah. I mean, so I think 
people, you know, who are kind of following, uh, you know, content and stuff are, you know, familiar with correlations between positions. And I think there's kind of well-known and well-established, uh, you know, positional correlation, you know, receiver, wide receiver one with quarterback, uh, you know, running back with defense, but like, we feel that, you know, players are unique enough, I guess, or, you know, they differentiate, differentiate from one another on positional level where, you know, it's important to look at player correlations at a player uh, level, you know, like, uh, you know, how, how does running back correlate with opposing receivers? Well, you know, Josh Jacobs is going to correlate with opposing receivers far differently uh, than Austin Eckler would correlate with opposing receivers. So we have a tool where you can search correlation between uh, you know, players on the same team, uh, view the sample size, uh, how many games have those two players played uh, together, uh, as well as correlation across, uh, you know, for like cross game correlation. So you can look at how, um, I don't know, you know, Darren Waller correlates with opposing quarterbacks or the, you know, cumulative fantasy points scored by the entire offense that opposes him on a week by week basis. Um, I think a really useful way to kind of plan, uh, you know, how, how you want to build your stacks, uh, you know, obviously trying to stack around positive correlation, also super useful for identifying good leverage spots, you know, finding guys who negatively correlate with one another, you know, Aaron Jones and uh, Devontae Adams have, you know, a reasonable negative correlation. So that's a spot where, you know, you feel like getting one or the other has pretty strong leverage against the alternative. Um, I think it's a super useful tool. Uh, check it out. I actually really like using it for showdown slates where, you know, you are kind of thinking about, a universe of players in a vacuum. Um, so, you know, if you're going to play, I think we actually have a pretty fun showdown slate tonight. Uh, I'll probably be looking at some of those correlation features uh, ahead of Thursday. Um, yeah, we also have a sub stack that, that we recently started last week. Uh, we'll be launching every Friday uh, relating to the main slate and every Sunday after lock relating to the Sunday night and Monday night slates. Uh, you can check it out. Like a lot of the, notes that I bring into the show with, you know, some of these metrics that we talk about uh, will be presented in full uh, on the Substack article uh, for all games. So if you're interested in kind of diving into some of the metrics that we've discussed for all of the games, uh, that, that could be a good. So what's the Substack address? Uh, yeah, it's just advanced sports analytics.substack.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and, you know, we have information regarding it and uh, linking off. So um, yeah. Feel free to check it out. Uh, so check that out. And you could always check out uh, Roto-Grinders Premium, Core 4 Premium, all the four core sports, NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA. Sign up, rotogrinders.com slash media slash ASA or the link that's in the description. You get $5 off your first month. So for, for Stuart Gibson, I'm Jordan Cooper. And that has been the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto-Grinders dot com.